host, Jeff Johnson. With me are co-hosts, Danita Dinger and Lisa Murphy. Why don't you order a drink, kick back, grab an appetizer, and join us for some child care conversation. Hey, welcome to episode eight of the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. We're going to be talking about relationships today. I'm Jeff Johnson. I'm here with Danita Dinger. Hello. Relationships are uh, kind of a tough issue. You have any relationships in your life? Oh, gosh, I have so many relationships. And the thing is, is each one is um, a different kind of level of relationship. I have a relationship, obviously, with my husband and then my kids and then my parents and my um, in-laws and then my sister and her family and, you know, those those relationships, so family, closer relationships. And I have relationships with daycare families, which there's a different relationship between the kids then the parents, and then I have relationships with people that are at the gym and come to my classes, and then there's relationships I have with my friends. So, the UPS guy and the UPS guy, the Schwann's man. So Schwann's, the pizza delivery man, <laughs> Schwann's man, UPS guy, uh, mailman. Yeah, uh, they're different. Different. Levels Even the garbage Leroy. man, garbage, quite frankly. Our garbage man for years, we had had the same guys, and they would drive by. I think it was Monday mornings. They drive by, and they'd go by the front of the house, and they'd they'd ah uh, ah uh, their uh-huh. big their big garbage truck horn for the kids, and they loved it. The kids oh, would watch. The male, actually, it's a male woman, and hey, the kids when we're outside, too. the kids race her to the next house. Every day, and she'll drive beside him and wave and laugh, and they run. And then I have always have one little pumpkin that's like the turtle in the Snow White, where all the other animals the, arrive. The and turtle. by the time the turtle gets there, you wouldn't know because you've probably never watched Snow White. Snow White. But anyway, there's this cute little turtle, and the turtle obviously is a slow one. By the time they get to wherever everyone's going, everyone is leaving. And so I always have a turtle in my group, and this is all the fun. But their smile is no smaller than anybody else's. They just are in it for the run. I thought Snow White had dwarves. I didn't know about Oh, yeah, turtle. there's a lot of animals in that movie. Ah. Tasha, have you seen it? Little turtle at the end. He just gets up the steps, which are very hard for a turtle to climb, and everybody runs down the steps, and they tip the turtle over, which is hard for a turtle then to flip. All right, so relationships. Apparently the <laughs> turtle's a fig new. If, you've, uh, if you know about this, this turtle, uh, please drop us a line. Let us hear about it. Oh, uh, yes, you do know the cute turtle in Snow White and the Seven Doors. Okay, so um, relationships. How, how, how does uh, spending all day relating to those kids in your child care program affect you when you go home? How was your commute? Uh, I wish I had a longer commute most days. In fact, there is a, a friend of mine, well, Jeff, you know her too, Tara from Dubuque, Iowa. She uh, was posted on Facebook about just ready to be done with her work day and wish she didn't have that 20-minute commute home. And I said, you know what? Enjoy that commute because I would give anything for a 20-minute commute. I mean, if I take my time and go as slow as I can possibly go, my commute is about 10 seconds. And there are days where I could do that. I need that commute about a thousand times before I'm ready to deal with my family. It just depends on the day. It depends on my mood. depends on so many different things. Um, so it's hard to go straight from childcare and right to family life. Yeah, but the reality is we got to do it all the time. Sometimes during the day you got to do it, especially oh, yeah. if you've got young oh. kids when your kids are yeah. young and in your programs. <laughs> so you got to transition from work kids to the ones you made yourself, how's how's that? How are those relationships impacted by what's going on with the childcare kids during the day? How does that affect your relationship with your kids? You know, I didn't think it affected it at all until recently. My son is twelve and my daughter is fourteen, and my son just recently has really started to be offended um, when I can't listen to him or I can't take the time for him when he needs it. He's finally starting to voice that frustration, um, and so I'm like. 
I am sorry, but if you like living in our house and eating food and having clothes on you and going on vacations, then I have to work. I said, I work here. Dad also works, but lucky enough when he's at home, he's not working. So it doesn't interfere with your life. But I mean, I just, I kind of have to say this is how it is. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing. And it's hard. I feel terrible about it, but I, you know, there's 10 kids that are depending on me also. And I can't put my attention on the 12 year old at that time. Sometimes, sometimes I can, Uh and sometimes I can't. The the hard thing is about relationships is is that they're they're emotionally draining. They they take what uh, I can't remember the author uh, what I've heard described of as emotional labor, because we are we are constantly working at at empathizing and tuning in and being focused on on those relationships and obviously different levels for different relationships. Hopefully you're tuned in more to uh, Leroy than you are to the Schwans guy, but. Uh, <laughs> It depends. Our Swans man <laughs> is very nice looking. <laughs> I strike a pose when he stops by in the doorway. No, I'm kidding. Hello. Hello. Um, and, so, and so we're always putting ourselves out there emotionally for these relationships. And there's only so much of that we can do a day without taking time to recharge. And the, the, the thing, and I mention this all the time about childcare providers is we are very bad at taking that time to recharge and, uh, and tune in and find our centers. And so we're constantly giving ourselves away to these relationships and, uh, and it can get, it can get challenging at sometimes. Um, you ever, you ever blow up at Leroy? Oh, heavens. Yeah. No, I never, my voice never gets louder than this, I'm always like this for my whole life. So People I, always have to say, huh, what did you say? So it was, it was before, uh, <laughs> it was before childcare, I think, but what's the deal with broccoli and cauliflower? Yeah, right. Jeff and I were talking about relationships as we we're getting ready to do this one. And I said, the only time I remember, um, just a definite being mad at Leroy was, and I don't even remember why, neither one of us can remember why it was shortly after we got married, but I got him good people. I filled, instead of, you know, just talking, I instead filled the refrigerator with broccoli and cauliflower. Why? Because he hates broccoli and cauliflower. He hates looking at it. He hates the smell. He doesn't eat broccoli and cauliflower. I steamed broccoli and cauliflower, which undoubtedly puts the best and strongest scent into the air for well over a week. And since neither one of us can remember what he did, apparently he didn't do it again. <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> how, how long did the, uh, the house smell? <laughs> oh, it was an apartment back in oh, those yes. days. So he had to move. a long time. And so everybody else, I'm sure, in the building smelled it too. <laughs> and it was winter. <laughs> that I do remember. <clears throat> so how's, 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 how's your relationship uh, affect your work? I mean, you have those days where, where you wake up in the morning and he's made you breakfast and, and uh, brought the newspaper in for you and all that kind of stuff, and then you're all happy to go to work, and then if he, he doesn't put the, the right amount of cream cheese on your bagel, it's a tough day at work, or what's going <laughs> no, on? No, he's, he's gone, actually. He works at 5 in the morning, so he's not around. There's no bre- If he brought me breakfast in bed, <laughs> I'd probably be mad at him. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh yeah, no, it, our relationship doesn't generally affect more so my relationship with my kids will affect my day because I have to get them up and going, motivate them for school, and that can be hit or miss. Landon always, our, my son always, he's, 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 he's fine. Maya's the one that, that I can struggle with a little bit more some days, and that, I tell you what, that's exhausting if you've She's dealt with a 14, difficult child. Yep. 14-year-old girl, I can't imagine. Yeah, and, and she has autism on top of it, sensory disorder, um, 
So combing the hair is an issue. Taking her medicine is an issue. Um, vitamins is an issue. The temperature of her food is an issue. And it's much better now that she's older, actually. When she was younger, though, there were literally days where I just am like exhausted before daycare kids even got there. Yeah. And so we, we, we bring work home with us and we bring home to work with us. And it can be a real challenging thing. So this week we are talking about relationships. And I was wondering what angle that I was going to take on this topic, you know, because there's, especially with what we do, there's 99 different ways that I think that we could we could go with this. And uh, another part of me wanted to have uh, some of the articles and the research in front of me and be quoting to you from the books, but I, I really think I'm just going to speak from the heart on on this one. And it's probably going to be short and sweet. And to the point, but what it comes down to, at least through my lens, as it were, is that the relationships are the key to every single other thing that we are doing with the children. To, to claim that we have the children's highest and best interests in mind, but be neglectful to the relationship that we are cultivating or, or not potentially cultivating um, is doing them definitely a disservice. Without getting too academic, there are numerous studies that show us that if you want to see, you know, predictors of of academic quote unquote success, you look to the relationships that the children are having with the adults that are in their life, especially in their school experience, their childcare experience, their preschool experience. So you look at that, and 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 what I've been saying in the workshop lately, without you know sounding too kitschy and quotey and soundbitey, but. Really, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how much Play-Doh you know how to make or how many activities you have at your disposal or how sexy your yard is. If you aren't focused on those relationships, and of course, I think I go automatically to the infant room, which ideally this is this is where we need our, our best and our brightest, and unfortunately, that's not often the case. Infants need to know that they are going to be responded to, that, that their needs are going to be met. And by with, without oversimplifying it, I mean, that's really what it, what it comes down to. Children who learn as babies that their needs are going to be met by adults who are paying attention to them turn into toddlers who know that they're going to be responded to, who turn into preschoolers, who know that they can trust the adults that are in in, in their world with them. So w- when I think about relationships, I, I often find myself lately anyway, wondering what could possibly be more important than finding those links that we have with the children that are walking in our homes every day. You know, what, absolutely nothing. Nothing is more important than that. You know, you, you might have the environment completely set up and and it might be a very visually aesthetically pleasing and stimulating and for all intents and purposes it, it could look wow like there must be some great stuff happening here but then as the children trickle in and you start noticing the interactions the dance as it were between the children who are in the space and the adults who are facilitating said experiences you can tell within seconds which children have the relationship component in their favor to their advantage and which children are struggling because of that. And we as the providers need to own our contribution to that issue. 
if there is somebody who is good at nothing other than making you crazy, you have a challenge in front of you. And and I don't want to poo-poo it or kind of downplay the fact that it might be causing you some stress, but that stress is is adding to the lack of relationship there. And by having more stress in the environment, you, you're shutting down opportunities for children to be engaged with each other and with you. Um, because we're also crazy if we actually think that the kids don't pick up on the fact that maybe they're not who we have the strongest relationship with. Um, my my thought about this has been, um, what, what's the word I want to say? Since last August, I've been talking about the fact that I had an amazing opportunity to listen within a three to four week time frame, four speakers that all were saying pretty much exactly the same thing. And the point I'm making with with sharing that with you is that I heard it over and over and over and over again by different people in different venues, which made me go, huh, where is this coming from? And what I found out is that a lot of it was coming out of Harvard, the um, Center for the Developing Child, I think is what it's called, or the Center on the Developing Child. And I believe the gentleman's, I know his last name is Sean Koff. I believe his first name is John. And I had the opportunity to hear him speak in White Earth, Minnesota last summer. And I, my mouth was uh, fell open. I wrote notes about what he did. It's on Facebook. It's on the website. It's everywhere. You had Tumblr. You can, you can print off my notes to what he was saying. But what he, what he pointed out was that if you're following the most hot off the press brain research, what it's really coming down to is making sure that children are in environments that are filled with adults who are responsive, who are nurturing who are paying attention to the children, who are cultivating relationships. And and that's instantly where I went when Jeff and Danita said this week is about relationships, was, was about not only is it just what we would call good practice, you know, you should be establishing relationships, but now, you know, we've got this other kind of serious side of the issue saying, hey, yeah, not only should you be doing it because it's kind of your job, but, but also we are realizing just how important it is to the brain, to the developing brain, to a child's ability to start processing information. It goes back to these relationships. So I get that that one kid drives you crazy. My question to you is what are you doing about it? What are you doing as the adult in the space to start figuring out those reasonable accommodations in order to be able to find that one single thread of connection that you have. And I, I totally get that it might be, it might be fish wire thin, but what are you doing to find it? What are you doing? That's, that's the question I want to leave on the table. When, it, when you think about relationships, what are we doing as the adult? It is our job as the adult to be figuring this out. Where is that connection with that one child that we don't get? What's his favorite color? When's his birthday? What is that one thing in the space where he just, where it clicks for him? That's your starting spot. And you make that connection there and then you slowly work on stretching that connection from that one point to a second point to a third point. And before you know it, you've got, you've got a couple options when it comes to deepening and strengthening your relationship with that child. Those kids in your room know 
what they don't do well. They know that. They know they don't listen. They know they don't line up. They know they don't clean up. They know they don't fall asleep. They know. They know. They know. You know why? Because we tell them all the time. That is not deepening a relationship. That is adding stress to a relationship. And it becomes a very vicious cycle. You know, and, and then we, we start getting frustrated because, you know, that's the kid that never is sick. He's there all the time. So we're like, ugh. And, and to think that the child doesn't pick up on that, I mean, come on, we're animals. At the end of the day, we're animals. We can sense that kind of stuff. So now he doesn't like coming in to the space. And so now he doesn't like being there. You don't like being there. Other kids start picking up on, on the stress and on the tension. Other families might even start noticing it as well. It, it, is, it is a poison it will uh, it will poison your well and I, I i need to really stress and have been lately in the workshops just how crucial this is the other thing i talk about in the multiple intelligences workshop is the law of thirds which many of you have heard me say before the the law of thirds stating that when it comes to anything a third of the kids get it right away and you love them we love the woohoo we love them um and a third of them get it eventually Oh, you want? Oh, that's the cleanup music. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And then there's another third that they they never get it, regardless of what it is: cleaning up, falling asleep. It even applies to your adult friends and adult colleagues as well. Like if you're having a a party at your house, there's a third of your friends that you you love them because they come early, they stay late, they help you clean up, they help you set up, they bring a lot of food. It's it's amazing. Okay, you, they they get it. There's another third of your friends. They also like the children. They get it eventually. Oh, oh, you wanted me to bring the bottle of wine. Okay, sorry. Next time. I'll remember next time. And eventually they, they get it. Um, but then the last third, they, they, you never ask them to do nothing. You don't ask them to bring anything. You don't ask them to help. Hey, can I help you? No, no, we're good. Just bring yourself. Why? Because for whatever reason, you, you, you are willing to overlook what they don't do and pay attention to what they do do. And I would argue that probably if pushed for a rationale, it would have something to do with your relationship with that person. And what I offer for your consideration is that if we are willing to do that for our own peers, what is keeping us from doing that for a two-year-old or a three-year-old? How are we getting in our own way of creating those relationships. And your homework, your homework is to go back and write down what are a couple of your connection points. What makes the relationship with child A so strong? What are those things? Look at it. You know, acknowledge it. What is it? And what is what is causing stress with the relationship with child B? And if there's anything in your power to be modifying or changing in order to start finding those connection points, which I guarantee that there is, then, then you need to start doing that. The idea of stretching our comfort zone to include all of the children wherever they are, not where we want them to be, and at the end of the day being able to answer a very serious, important question. Have I done everything in my power for every child in this space or just the kids that I like? 
hey, this is Jeff. I've got a book recommendation for everybody out there who wants to defend play and slow the rush of childhood, kind of trust children as learners, the things we talk about a lot on this podcast. It's called Free to Learn by Peter Gray. We'll put a link on the podcast website, ccbagpodcast.com. Check it out. So how about relationships with the parents in your programs? I am very fortunate. I love my parents. Families catch on right away um, that I am very blunt sometimes. I just say it as it is. I'm not a sugar coater. I'm um, sarcastic. I have a sense of humor. So parents, in fact, I kind of do that. You know, we were talking about questions that you ask. I kind of will throw a little of my sarcasm in when I first meet a family just to make sure that they can get sarcasm. I had a, a situation years and years and years ago with a family and their um, child had, was we were going through some issues with them, a lot of temper tantrums, a lot of just, and we it, we didn't really know what it was from. We were just thinking she was just challenging everybody at that time. And and uh, so I told them, they, they came to pick up, and they're like, how was she today? I'm like, oh, nothing that a little toss out in the snowbank didn't cure. Well... That night, they call, and they tell me that they're going to come by and pick up her things. And I'm like, what? And they said, well, our, you can't be throwing our daughter in a snowbank. <laughs> I started laughing, which I'm sure at this point for these people are like. really pushed them over the oh, edge. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we came to common ground, and they understood that. I indeed did not, but I did take her outside with me because nothing like a blast of cold air to snap you out of that tantrum so now I can communicate with you, but I did not physically put her in a snowbank. So ever since that experience and got, I mean, that family, they were, they were wonderful and I am so glad that they, we were able to come to come some common grounds, but, um, Anyway, ever since then, I've always tried to throw a little sarcasm in, quite frankly, when I first meet with families just to make sure that they can get it yeah. <laughs> because I am, that's part of who I am. And, and in order to have that relationship, I need to accept them for them and they need to accept me for me. And we need to see each other eye to eye. I mean, this is their most precious being their most precious part of them that we're collaborating on, taking care of and raising. I mean, basically you are part of raising this child. And so you need to, yeah, if you, you need if you to make sure you're, you're, you click. If you don't get each other. Yeah, that's a it, major it's, problem. It's hard if you're out of tune. Um, have you ever had to kick families out because the relationship isn't working? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've, it's, it's a tough thing to do, but. Yep, after- if you feel disrespect. I yeah. mean, and that comes from just being, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a blunt person. I'm a non-sugar coder, and I'm, I will stand up for myself. And I, I, you have to believe in yourself and believe your worth being respected in order to get respect sometimes. And yeah, and if you find out you're, you're not feeling that, that disrespect, family, honestly, it's better just to end that relationship. Yeah, and then after you, after you do that, our, our feeling is usually... <sighs> yep, and it's hard to do. Uh, a dear friend of mine had a family that she needed to get rid of, and it wasn't from a disrespect from the parent. It was just a very challenging child that was affecting all the other kids. And sometimes you have to weigh that out and realize, okay, this one person's behavior is ruining the rest of our days. There, you know, it's, it's, this is what's causing the stress for all of us. And so she was armed and ready to dismiss this family. And they came with flowers and a gift card for her on that day <laughs> that she had the letter actually written <laughs> and the discussion ready to roll. And so of course, 
she couldn't. And it took a whole nother year before she finally did. And when she did, it was just like, I mean, just a deep sigh of relief and her life completely 180, 180. She had stress in all areas of her life because of this one child. Yeah. And sometimes we, we, we feel like failures if we let those families go. And so we hold on to that. It can be, it can be a real tough thing. On the other side of that is when you have the good relationships and those kids are with you, with you for a long time and then it's time for them to move on. It's, it's almost heartbreaking. I, 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 I mean, you end up with a hollowness. Um, one of my little angel babies, my my Annie, with was us with with us since she was eight and a half weeks old until she was just about five, and and um, um, you know, some people have heard me talk about her in, in presentations. I love this little girl, and uh, it's it's very hard. I saw her mom a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking, and and she, it's been what a year and a half now. She misses the, still misses the routine of being here every morning, and you know the ten minutes we spent talking before she headed off to work and that kind of stuff. And so once you build those relationships, and then they end because the child start school or moves or whatever, it can be a, a real sense of loss for caregivers. One thing I talk about in presentations is the way we know we're doing this job right is when we feel that sense of loss when when kids move on. Now, sometimes it's uh, sometimes we're, we're glad to see them go because sometimes there are kids that just, it's time for them to move on. But sometimes those are the kids you feel the biggest loss about because you've put more effort and thought and time and energy into giving them what they need. And so there's that other side of the relationships when they can work, it can be just as painful or more painful than terminating a relationship that's not working. Those goodbyes are um, awful for me. I mean, they will ruin a good week leading up to that goodbye and a good week post goodbye. I, I cry like a baby when I say goodbye to those little kids. I get very attached. That's a really hard thing for me. I think in all my years, 14 years, there's been one child that I had to muster up some fake tears (laughs) to say goodbye to just one. I mean, I just, they all just weasel their way in no matter how much well, of a stinker they they're are. They're evil. They're they evil that way. That they way. suck their way into your heart. Oh, they do. And and I I have had family sometimes that just don't really grasp that. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a long time because you just get smarter um, the more you're in the business as to which families to choose. But beginning families didn't really get that. I mean, they would be gone at a drop of a hat, just change a job, change a schedule, whatever the reason, without you know, thought to my emotional attachment to their child and that I maybe would like more than more time to know that that's coming or, you know, that it's not a matter of finding a new family to replace them. It's a matter of preparing to have to say goodbye to that child. Yeah, that's one thing I notice about families, <clears throat> caregivers, excuse me, caregivers have been doing this for a long time. One thing I notice is they get a better radar for the families they bring into their programs. Mm-hmm. They 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 know what that goodness of fit is going to be a little bit better. Um, and, and, and so they're even able to weed out the families that don't fit a little bit easier. And then they're more happy, more happy, happier mm-hmm. as caregivers, more tuned in, more focused and everything works, uh, works better. Uh, one thing we write about in the, in the let them Playbook is emotional environments. And that's really the foundation for everything that happens in oh, an early things. learning program. You, you, you can't have a program that's led by children if you don't, aren't emotionally attached and if they don't feel safe emotionally, that safeness um, on that level 
allows them, I think, to be more creative and be um, know that it's safe to share their wild and crazy ideas and imaginations and to ask for what they need and to wonder. One of my favorites and best compliments a child can give me is when they come up to me and say, Nita, I wonder if... And then they know we're going to find out on their wonder. I had one incident. We were outside playing with a larger set of PVC pipes. It was like a, what is that size? Like an inch and a half half or so PVC pipes um, to build forts, which I did learn is not a very good um, idea. Well, it's a good idea if you're, you need to, I mean, it's not something they can do totally independent of you. You definitely need to be there to help. It takes some muscle. Older kids. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, from that bigger PVC pipe set. And I had some pieces that were like two feet long, I suppose. Anyway, my little Ethan came up to me and said, Nita, I wonder if we could blow bubbles with these. And I tell you what, it opened up an entire week's worth. I kid you not, week's worth of total immersive learning led by children. Um, I just took pictures and documented. That's all I did. And then shared it with families and the parents so that they could learn little by little how their children are learning through play. But um, for a child to come up to me and feel safe enough to share their wonders with me just is a huge compliment. Yeah, yeah, he, he, the, that relationship's there. And and sometimes, you know, when I'm at conferences, or with, either as a, pre, a presenter or as an attendee, sometimes you run into that person <laughs> that's got that, that's, that, that look on their face like they just uh, just smelt something real bad or something. And, and these people work with children too, and, and maybe – they're just having a bad day or maybe they don't want to see me or something. Maybe that's the reason they look like that. But some people look like that. Um, and I just wonder how, how this person builds strong, solid relationships with children. So you mean they have the poopy face on while you're talking? Yeah, maybe, yeah I'm you. saying maybe it's just me. Maybe they, I thought that just happened to me. I'm yeah, so glad to know yeah. you get poopy face people no, too. <laughs> no, I, I get it all the time. I mean, why am I listening to this guy? And then that's, uh-huh. that's a whole other session, yeah. session. Well, and the thing is, is those are usually the people, though, at the end of the day who come up and say, oh, my goodness, that was I just got so much. I always misread the poopy face. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes sometimes they, get, sometimes they just want their certificate and to get, and to get the heck yeah. out of there. Um, but that's a whole other session, uh, a whole other episode on, on relationships we could do about that. Um, but the emotional environment, it's a huge part of... Welcome to the poopy face episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a poopy face episode. Maybe we get Lisa to... I mean, seriously, we've all had parents with the poopy face, kids oh, yeah, with we, the poopy face. We, oh, we have never. you ever had some of those little divas? Oh my gosh, that could yeah, be another but, thing But you've too. never... You've never Children that you've are never divas. Been, you've never been the... And they're poop, diva mothers. You've never been the poopy face person? Oh, I'm sure I've been there. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty I, sure I was the first time I heard you speak because yeah, I didn't want to like you. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably was the first time I spoke. Um, <laughs> and so we work real hard on building building these relationships because it's, it's all about the emotions, except way too often, all caregivers think about is the physical environment, the blocks and the dress-up area. You know, actually, stuff. no, I'm never a poopy-faced person at conferences because I'm just so glad to be free and around so many Away adults. And it's I'm just to, like Glee. It's a chance to it's a chance to to, to nurture your relationships with all those people. Yeah. And that's kind of what we want this podcast to be is an opportunity to build some relationships to to make caregivers who are feeling disconnected uh, feel like there's there's somebody out there that understands where they've been. I, I'm amazed at how much how many times I go to conferences and and we talk about some of these these deeper issues and people say I I, I thought I was the only one that felt that way. And that kind of stuff. So hopefully this is a good venue for for building some of those kind of connections and relationships. Both Jeff and I. Hey, thanks for listening. I want to give you a chance to connect with us. You can find Lisa at ooeygooey.com. You can find Danita at playcounts.com. And you can find me at explorationsearlylearning.com. And of course, if you 
spend a little bit of time on Facebook, you'll be able to find all of us there. And hey, if you're enjoying the show, take time to share it with a friend. We'll be back next week with an episode on hours. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.